Welcome to Hustle and Faith. This podcast is dedicated to helping you find your trail to a happier, healthier you by discussing topics regarding Christianity, health and wellness, beauty, and so much more. I'm your host, Tasha Johnson. This is episode 111. Are you the problem or the solution? Before we dig into today's topic, I just want to take a moment to say thank you. Thank you to everyone who has taken the time to listen and share my podcast with others. Even if you didn't agree with me, I still appreciate you taking time out to listen to a different point of view. I really do appreciate it. Now, for those of you who are familiar with my podcast, I know the last couple of episodes have been my random thoughts segments, which is when I discuss random topics that are on my mind. With that said, today will be another random thoughts segment, but I promise you I am working on other topics. It's just with everything that's been going on lately, I felt compelled to share my thoughts. All right, enough rambling for me. Let's jump into today's topic. So I saw this meme that said, July, come in here like you got some sense. (laughs) Isn't that the truth? Because I feel like I need a break because 2020 has felt like an absolute roller coaster ride. And so for very selfish reasons, my birthday is in July. So I desperately just wanted to be a really chill month. So anyway, I'm not a big social media person, and this is pretty ironic because my background is in marketing and communications, right? And the reason I feel this way is for actually two reasons. I'll use it for work, but I'm not one of those people who spends hours online because I prefer to make memories offline. That's always been my motto. The other reason why I'm not big on social media is because it reminds me of how many dumb people there are in the world. Like there's a lot of dumb people. It's astonishing. Whenever I see stupid comments, it takes a lot for me to keep it moving. And it's especially disheartening when I see those comments coming from people I know. (laughs) I'm all about keeping toxic people and thoughts outside of my world. It's the only way I know how to stay sane. So unless you've been living under a rock, again, I'm sure you know that there have been numerous protests regarding police brutality against Black people. So I was on Facebook one day and I saw some white women talking about how they had a desire to attend peaceful protests. So they were going to protest in the suburbs. The statement peaceful protests really rubs me the wrong way because it insinuates that once again, Black people are the problem. Plus, this country wasn't founded via peaceful protests, which is something a lot of white people conveniently forget about. But what made me really sad is that these women are teachers. They should know better. However, in my gut, I truly believe these women were just going to the protests so they could feel better about themselves and capture their good deed on film. And not because they really wanted to seek change for Black people. So imagine my surprise when I came across an article called White Women Stop Treating Protests as Instagram Photo Shoots. Wow. It was literally white women using the protests and protesters as background props. Some were holding signs, took pictures, and immediately left the protests. Now, I'm not going to lie. It made me angry. Because it reminded me of the quote, everybody wants to be black 
until it's time to be black. (laughs) Meaning many white people love to capitalize off of our creativity, our features, our music, and the list goes on and on when it can be used to their advantage, but then disappear the moment someone black is in an adverse situation or discusses racism, then they just magically disappear. And by the way, white women capitalizing on our features drives me insane. When I was younger, I was teased for how I looked. The very same features I was teased for, my skin tone, my shape, my lips, my hair, all given to me by God, are praised when white women attain these features by having plastic surgery or baking in the sun or spraying their way to achieve our melanin. Heck, even today in the corporate world, even today (laughs) in the corporate world, it's an unwritten rule that the standard of beauty is to look as close to European as possible. Black women are constantly made to feel like they won't be viewed as professional if they wear their hair natural, if they wear their natural hair, which is oftentimes very curly or coily, or even in protective styles like braids or twists or dreadlocks. I've had white coworkers and managers go above and beyond to praise me when my hair is straight, only to go silent or stay, say something really stupid like new hairdo with a look of dislike or confusion. I normally smile and say, yeah, my hair is really versatile and it's just much easier for me to wear it curly. Anyway, I've just chalked up these these stupid comments to they just don't have any home training, right? I've always been taught that if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. However, many white people state what they have to say without fear of adverse consequences or for sharing their opinions, even when it hasn't been requested. I don't have this luxury. (laughs) In fact, I always have to triple think about what I want to say when I'm at work because I truly just don't have the energy to get into a white tears situation. And so I've mentioned what the term white tears means in a previous episode. So that's episode 109. Why can't we all get along? And so for those of you unfamiliar with the term white tears, it's what Black people say when we refer to someone white who believes that they've been wronged, when someone Black points out their behavior, you know, their racist behavior, um, or they're upset that someone Black is experiencing more success than them. Those who cry white tears often do so to get other white people on their side in an attempt to make the Black person appear to be wrong when it was really the white person. Again, every Black person I know has at some point in time experienced this in their life. I I mean, quite frankly, I have experienced it so many times in my career that I've just lost track. I, I mean, I can't even tell you what the number is. So anyway, it really sucks, though, because it's like the ultimate catch 22. When a black woman speaks her mind, she risks being seen as the angry black woman stereotype. But when a white woman does it, she's passionate. However, If the black woman remains silent, her self-esteem is going to take a hit. Now, my mom taught me early on to say what I need to say 
and not to buy into this psychology nonsense. That angry Black woman stereotype was created in an attempt to silence us. And so I must do my part to never, ever allow that to happen, regardless of the consequences. So it's interesting now, because companies, <laughs> a lot of businesses are finding themselves in a catch-22 position that Black people experience on a daily basis. If a company remains silent regarding the protests against racism, they often run the risk of offending their Black employees, Black customers, other customers of color, and those that also choose to fight against racism. Yet, if that same company chooses to be vocal, runs the risk of exposing the fact that their staff is lily white <laughs> and they have racist customers. Both options have consequences. But as my mom always said, you need to do the right thing. This isn't rocket science. Yet, many companies delayed in issuing a response because deep down, they were hoping the issue would just go away. After all, companies haven't had to really choose a side before. So why should this be any different? I can see where this faulty logic might come into play, right? But they fail to realize one thing. Everyone, everyone has a breaking point. What you see in these protests are the effects of a community that has lost hope. Many Black neighborhoods are poorly funded, so they look like war-torn countries. These areas are food deserts, meaning they don't have access to supermarkets and grocery stores. Imagine going grocery shopping at a convenience store because this is exactly what many people do in these areas. Education in these areas is a joke. So the thought of going to college is just a dream because they can't afford it. And even if they do go to college, they will need to do so based on grants, search for lenders who will, without a doubt, give them the highest APR possible, if they do decide to give them a loan. And then, let's say they do decide to give them that loan, right? This student has to work twice as hard to make up for all the education they missed out in, they missed out on in high school. And let's say they graduate college, they aren't able to get a job because they have an ethnic sounding name, or they don't have the connections to get a job. So now they have a mountain of student loan debt that they can't pay for living in the same area that they so desperately were trying to escape from. Oh, and by the way, you're trying to achieve success all while trying to avoid any run-ins with the police because you know that one wrong move can result in death. Sounds exhausting, right? What many of these companies failed to get is that your silence supports violence. The mere fact that these companies are struggling <laughs> to find the right words is because deep down, they're still trying to figure out how they can somehow not offend anyone. One example is the NFL. The NFL really needs to be ashamed of themselves. It took the NFL 10 days after the protests in a video from prominent football players to make a statement. When I heard Roger Goodall's so-called apology, it made me sick. Back in 2016, Colin Kaepernick did a peaceful protest, kneeling during the national anthem, and hasn't played in the NFL since. Yet, there is no mention of Kaepernick in that apology, which is why it rang extremely hollow, in my opinion, and quite frankly, others as well. 
Same thing with NASCAR. Bubba Wallace, the sports, <laughs> the NASCAR sports only black driver on the circuit literally had to tell NASCAR that they needed to ban the Confederate flag at events. Again, are you kidding me? By the way, I will never attend an NFL or a NASCAR event because as a Black person, I just would not feel comfortable doing so. I'm not about to get into a situation where I'm sitting near someone drunk who also happens to be a racist. Like, that's just a formula for disaster. (laughs) Um... So I've read and heard, and plus I've read and heard about way too many instances of this happening, so I refuse to be a part of that statistic. Plus, I already researched the level of racism I can expect to receive or encounter when I choose a vacation spot, so I'm not about to add any of this nonsense to that list as well. Again, companies must realize that if you're going to demonstrate support in the fight against racism then you better put some action behind those words. Black people are not amused by your long, flowery, you know, those flowery type of statements. Our actions speak louder than words. If you really support Black lives, how many of them are on your staff? What actions are you taking to impact the community? And by the way, it is absolutely baffling to me how many companies are hiring diversity consultants. What's even more disturbing to me is that the companies that are being hired are owned by white women. Once again, it feels like white people have somehow found a way to profit from our pain and experiences. The money spent on these diversity consultants could have gone towards resources and time on projects that would bring about sustainable change. This is why. I'm not about to waste my time in some stupid listening circle talking about racism to a white woman who would never be able to relate to my experiences when I could be taking that precious time to connect with those within the Black community and allocating resources to help end the inequality. If companies really want to resolve racism, then ask yourself, how can I make the greatest impact within the Black community? And it all starts with educating yourself. Then you need to pay it forward and share that information with other white people. Listen and share content written by Black people, not just content that talks about our experiences. Many white people will spend hours researching the perfect restaurant, vacation spot, the list goes on. But when it comes to learning about the Black community, oh, I I just, I just don't know where to start. Which is hilarious because I feel like white people are always saying that they have a black friend. So you would think that they would have some sort of idea on where to start. Just saying. All you have to do is channel that same energy into learning more about us. Identify the glaring gaps within the community, like housing, education, employment, and start the process of filling them. If you see that your company doesn't have any Black people, then hire them. And if you have Black employees, then survey them to uncover unmet needs. There's no reason to waste your money on hiring a white woman-owned diversity firm. Take that money and use it to fight racism, not just talk about it. 
The next step, which seems like common sense, but obviously common sense isn't all that common anymore, is if you see someone unjustly being treated, then say something. Again, I'm all about the golden rule. Treat others the way you want to be treated. The time for talk is over, okay? Like NAACP Image Award nominee, Atlanta-based activist Kimberly Jones said in an interview, I think the only way something is going to come out of this is if we start making the necessary changes ourselves, referring to the Black community. Because it's been proven time and time again that we're on our own. The saddest part about that is that racism is not a Black issue that white people need to empathize with. Racism is a white problem. They caused it. They need to fix it. But I don't have faith anymore that that's going to happen. I want nothing more than to be proven wrong. But I feel the exact same way that Kimberly does. It's like Black people have been given a puzzle that we didn't ask for. Again, a puzzle we didn't ask for. And now we're being forced to put these pieces together as soon as possible. Now, here's the thing. We've been working on this puzzle for over 400 years. <laughs> so it's time for white people to take over working on the puzzle so we can celebrate the final image of what equality and justice really looks like in God's eyes. Thanks so much for listening to today's episode. Don't forget to check out the Prayer and Gratitude Journal for men and women of faith that is available for sale on Amazon. If you enjoy Hustle and Faith's content, please consider becoming a supporter by donating or purchasing a Prayer and Gratitude Journal for men and women of faith from Amazon to help offset the cost of producing this show. Be sure to connect with us on Facebook and Pinterest. And remember, if you're everything to everyone, be risk being no one. You never know who you will inspire. See you in the next episode.